Hello and welcome to the Remarkableness podcast with me, Kate Gingell. Today I'm speaking with the wonderful Jennifer Simons about her life and achievements whilst living with the genetic disease cystic fibrosis. I hope you enjoy listening to this truly remarkable woman. So Jennifer, thank you so much for being with me here today. We've been friends for a number of years now, and I know whilst you don't like to be called, um, you know, inspirational or remarkable, (laughs) um, you are and have been a constant inspiration to me. Um, So, Jennifer, you have cystic fibrosis, uh, and it's obviously something that, you know, played a part in all your life. Can you tell us a little bit about what cystic fibrosis is and how, perhaps at first, how it affected your childhood? Yeah, it's lovely to talk to you, Kate. It's always lovely to see you. And um, I was born with cystic fibrosis. It's a genetic condition. Both parents carry the gene. And it expresses itself in the lungs and the stomach. Basically, I produce mucus that's very thick and blocks the lungs and blocks the pancreatic duct. So my lungs tend to get a lot of infections, pneumonia and the like and grow lots of evil bugs that can't be treated with antibiotics. And um, my stomach has to rely on enzymes that I take orally because that duct to the pancreas is blocked, which also means that later in life I I developed um, diabetes, insulin dependent, and all people with CF will. So as a child, I was unaware that I wasn't well. I did everything my sisters did, although (laughs) a lot slower. So for example, we'd cycle home from school up these huge hills at home and I'd be the one behind pushing (laughs) my bike up the hill and the other two would have scooted off and left me behind, which made me, well you say that, but it made me very resilient. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a very good way to bring up a child who has physical difficulties. Um, Just let them get on with life at their own speed, but just let them know that they're expected to do everything all the other kids do. The real problem, I think, apart from all the colds, I was in bed a lot, which made me enjoy reading and um, painting, which had been lifelong pleasures, really. Mm. Uh, and the other issue was my diet. In those days, our, our enzyme supplements couldn't digest fat. So I was on a fat-free diet before they ever existed. And you couldn't get fat-free products in the shops, especially as we lived in India, you couldn't get fat-free products there. So I used to get quite ill. I remember one time going along to Maharaja's son's party and my ayah had told my mother that I could eat jalebis. So that's what my mother thought she heard. Mm-hmm. So I waved everything away except for jalebis. And in fact, uh, we found that later because I got very sick uh, with the runs, um, that jalebis are, are deep fried in oil. So my mother had misheard my, my ayah. Mm. What she had said is, don't let her eat the jalebis. So I get qu- yeah. I got quite sick as a child, but the yeah. enzymes are better now. Yeah, but yeah. Mm. And, and I know that, um, you know, cystic fibrosis is, is very much a disease that can, um, you know, take people at a very young age. Uh, mm. Now you are, well, I'm not going to tell you, mid-50s. <laughs> So really quite remarkable in that respect. What have you done, I suppose, for yourself, from a, both from a physical and from, I suppose, from a mental point of view, to keep yourself healthy? Well, I've just made sure that I exercise a lot. So I will walk two or three hours 
a day. I love bushwalking and I'm lucky enough to have some near me. I'll do yoga three days a week for an hour and then maybe 10 minutes a day. I've started Zumba recently, which I love. And before that, I was cycling. And even when I was younger, I would ski and horse ride so I would, and swim. So I would do the sports that my body was capable of. I couldn't do team sports because I basically couldn't run. Mm. Um, my diet was always something that I'm very careful with. And I have a lot of vegetables in my diet. I juice every week. I ferment a lot of stuff. My gut suffers a lot from cystic fibrosis so I pamper it with fermented garlic and turmeric and lots of yogurt and miso um, I'm vegetarian or pescatarian I don't eat meat not just because uh, for moral reasons but also it's very hard to digest and cause a lot of chaos in my stomach so I look after my health by exercising and eating well and making sure that I get lots of rest. So I say no to a lot of stuff mm. and I make sure I get at least nine or 10 hours sleep every night. Okay. And mentally, I mean, I know that meditation has played an important part um, mm. in your um, just day to day, but I also know that, I mean, you, there was a fairly dark period when I, when you were um, mm. on the transplant list for a double, mm. double lung transplant and then at one point you were actually taken off the list, yes. which really was a death sentence and mm. that wasn't the first time you've no. actually sort of stared death in the no. face. So h- how, how do you keep mm. positive? Mm. Or how do you keep hope in your heart? Mm. Um, yes, meditation certainly. Every day I meditate and, and now I teach others to meditate mm. as well. Um, I also believe deeply that we are put on this planet to be happy um, and not to make a mess of our lives the way that we do. So I think we have to trust in in where we are, where we're supposed to be. It is what it is, basically, and acceptance is an important part of that, as is tolerance. And I tend, I try very hard not to judge others because we don't know where they're at. Um, we don't know what they're doing or um, what's driving them. So I try to keep open-minded about people. I try to keep an open mind and an open heart. I think that's really important in our day-to-day stuff. Quite apart from that, I don't hang out with people who have a, a low energy and drag me down. And part of that is I don't watch the news on television because I get too upset by what I see. Mm. doesn't mean I'm not aware of what's happening in the world and that I don't send out um, positive um, thoughts to people in trouble. It just means I don't dwell on trouble. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the Tell us a little bit, because I, I mean, she was so beautiful. Tell us a little bit about Phoebe, your lovely dog, and I was part very she lucky. had to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was yeah. very lucky. Phoebe came into my life when I just moved in with my partner, and uh, my old friends weren't visiting, because in Sydney there's a real um, tradition that if you move across the Sydney Harbour Bridge, then you're not visited, it's too far. I was feeling very lonely. We got this little puppy, and she was my companion from day one. And then when I got sick, she was by my side the whole time. And we made a YouTube video. Um, it's called Transplanted Dogs Eye View. And it was Phoebe's life now that I was in a wheelchair and I couldn't bend down to give her tummy rubs and, and feed her properly. So she was a dog who taught me an awful lot. She taught me to live in the moment. She taught me to rest when I needed it. And um, she taught me how to love with an open heart. She was a beautiful thing. And I still miss her to this day. Mm. She. Um, lived as long as she needed to so when she saw that I was getting better she then died 
Yeah. It's very she sad. Was very sad. Such a she was really your shadow for yeah. you know, for she was there. And um as well as the um video that you made of Phoebe, of course you had your wonderful um blog. Because uh, you, for those who don't, I mean, you 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 can't see Jennifer obviously, but there'll be a picture of her. But um, Jennifer always looks absolutely immaculate. She has the most beautiful clothes, a Thank wonderful you. sense of flair and dress and style. And you had a you had a blog for a while. Yes, I didn't know what to do. I was on the transplant list for six months, or no, it'd been a year, and nothing was happening. And I wanted my voice to be heard, and I didn't know how to do it. So. I thought, well, what can I do? I can physically dress myself every day. I make sure that I do it on my own without help. And that was the point of pride for me to do that. So I'll take a blog of what I'm wearing and all the beautiful clothes that I have. And Phoebe got herself into every single one of those photos. And people really were more interested in her than what I was wearing. So that's when we decided to make the YouTube video, which was to raise awareness of the fact that very... Few people in Australia donate their organs. There's a real shortage of, of organs. And trying to encourage people to have that conversation with their family about whether they would donate after their death. Mm, because I think there's still a, um, a lack of uh, uh, understanding or just knowledge that in actual fact, in the, you know, in the old days, you could just have it on your driver's license. Ooh, that actually exactly. you could, but that doesn't mean anything no, anymore. No. So, um, so the website actually, you might Yes, it's called Donate Life, no. and you can get onto that website and list yourself. But also, you, you should also make sure you have the conversation with your family so that they know what you want and they'll abide by your wishes when you're gone. Mm. And Australia are actually quite low on the Very low, aren't they? very we're low. Not, we're not a great country for, for donations, I guess. Well, I think mm. we're a generous country, but we're pretty laid back. Mm. And uh, it's not something you really want to talk about dying. Mm. So mm. I can understand why people don't have that conversation. Mm. Mm. But it is a good thing to do because, you know, you... You give someone their life back, they get a mm. second chance. It's yep. an absolute miraculous gift. Mm. And on that note, actually, on not you know not wanting to talk <coughs> about dying, I mean, obviously facing it, how did that actually make you feel? I mean, when you were really at your lowest, um, how did that actually yes, make you feel? Yes, I did two, two... I was taken off the transplant list and then three months later put back on. And about two weeks... And then six weeks later got my lungs. But about a month into it, I, I just felt... I'd given up hope in my heart and I felt I was ready to die but I wasn't scared of dying I was sad to leave my husband but when my father died he gave me a great gift he made me aware that death is a wonderful thing and he did it in this way when we all went into the hospital room after his death I felt an incredible sensation of joy contentment ecstasy every positive feeling you've ever felt and then magnify that by a hundred that's how amazing that feeling was and that was his way of saying to me don't ever be afraid of death it's something wonderful and i think because we aren't able to understand it here on earth we are all scared about it we don't know what's going to happen mm. but i can guarantee it is a wonderful thing death and it's our reward for living here and suffering the way we do on earth I think that's a beautiful thought and I think that'll be helpful actually for, Hope for so. many people. So when you got that call, I know um, that you had a mobile phone and the only person who had the number of that mobile phone at the time, it's funny because you use your mobile phone a lot now, but now. The, in those days <laughs> the only person who had that the, the number was, was the hospital. That's right. So, and so what did it what did it feel like? I mean, well, it was quite funny. That was my lung phone mm -hmm. and it never went off. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff would phone me on it sometimes. 
Um, I was in bed, Jeff heard my mobile phone but didn't get to it in time and then he heard the phone, the home phone going. So he knew that that was the hospital ringing because it was 10 o'clock at night and he shouted to me, I think that call will be for you. Mm. So I thought, well, it'd be my parent, my mother or family and I picked it up and it was the hospital and they said you're coming now you know you're about to get some lungs and my immediate reaction was who is there anyone else going because sometimes they'll send in a couple of people to see who's a better match mm. but she said no you're the only person so I knew it was for real I'd got got my lungs Amazing. so the next morning I went in and had my operation and, and so got quick wasn't it I mean and very I remember fast. coming to see you soon afterwards I remember one of the things that you said to me actually was that um because I think I must have asked you what it felt like. Mm. You said that when, but just, but you know, in, in the months leading up to the transplant, it really felt like you were wearing a lead coat that mm. just literally crossing from one side of the room to the other mm. was an unimaginable effort. Mm. And yet, so when you started walking again afterwards, it was like you were floating. It, it was. was. An analogy, but yes, it was a, absolutely mm. like I was floating. Mm. And even... You know, really all my life I'd had to say, right, you've got to get up now and you've got to walk over to the door and, and down the street. And I really had to motivate myself to move. And it was such an unconscious thing that it was only when I didn't have to do that anymore that I realised all my life I had been doing it. Mm. And that to take that first breath, I, I remember lying there going, wow, so this is what it's like to breathe. Mm. I never really felt like that the whole of my life. Extraordinary. Mm, such a yes, gift, a, a mm, transplant. Mm. And you can achieve so much afterwards mm. because you've got this added impetus of you take responsibility for these beautiful lungs that, that some poor person has gone through, death and some poor family have gone through the whole tragedy and they've given this gift to you. So um, I take extra responsibility to make sure I'm, I just make the most of my life that I can and do the most for others that I can too. And you do that and I, I mean I think that's a beautiful a beautiful thought as you said, such a gift but it's uh, you have done so much for others since then and I think um, I think that was always your intention in a way. I mean, I, you know, the meditation classes that you run and you taught me to meditate. Mm. I'm so grateful to you for that. You're, you're writing, you're painting, um, Tell us a little bit about the, the e-book that you've written. Mm. Yes, I, I went to see um, a friend of ours called Rosemary, and I think she's a bit of a healer, but I remember just falling asleep when I went to see her, <laughs> driving home, it was pouring with rain, I thought, oh, you know, nothing really happened then, I don't know why I bothered, I could have said at home, written my book, and I, by the time I got home, I'd written a memoir, I had all the ten chapters mapped out, I knew what I was going to say, and... Um, that was it. I had my memoir sorted coming out of nowhere. It wasn't ever anything I thought I'd ever write about me. But that night I got up at two, I think, and for the next 24 hours on and off, that book was written within that time. And what's the name of the book? It's called The Gifts I've Been Given, An Illustrated Journey of Hope, because a lot of my paintings, my watercolour sketches are in that book too. It is. It's a beautiful book, and I'll put the link, um, the oh, Amazon link, on the show notes so people can see it as well. Good. Because it's uh, lovely, and, and to be able to see Jennifer's paintings in there as well, it's that's quite that's special. And you're writing a novel as well. I'm really <laughs> loving writing, and I I had to stop teaching when I had my transplant because of I'm I'm immunosuppressed, and 
there's a good chance that if you're teaching a class, someone there will have a cold and pass it on to you. So I've got to be very careful staying away from groups in enclosed areas. When I go out, I try and eat outside. I try not to go to the cinema or the theatre because of that suppression. So uh, it was a bit of a loss what to do. I love my teaching. And I was speaking to the supervisor of my master's thesis who teaches creative writing. And she said, why don't you write? And I thought, yes, OK. And I started writing children's books. I've written about 10, written and illustrated 10, and published two of those. And that's I published those for charity. Um, but then after that, I started to write this novel, which had been sort of at the back of my mind for about 20 years. And I loved it, but I really wasn't sure how to get into it. And then I heard um, an author being interviewed on television, and um, she said, write a page a day. And that's how I started writing, a page a day, and that became my novel. And it's, uh, I mean, and, and who, who, who is your audience for the novel? Well, it's chocolate. So it's mm. chocolate for old chooks, so <laughs> middle-aged women like me, and covering the issues that they're interested in. And also looking at the environment and um, Eleanor Bright, who's the main character, loves to cook. So there are lots of easy, easy recipes to follow at mm. the end of the book. And it's a good, fun book. I mean, it I is fun, yeah. yeah. It really it's not is. to be taken seriously no. at all. Well, you've got a wonderful sense of humour, so it's, um, <laughs> no, that's wonderful. And the artwork? You're, you're continuing to paint? I mean, yes, the mm. great thing about having a transplant is, is that I can stand up and paint now. As mm. Before I had to sit down and do quite delicate watercolours, pen and ink and watercolour. Now I can do huge abstract paintings on canvas and then I, I paint flowers as well. So it's sort of an abstract with a flower theme. Mm. And I'm hoping to have an exhibition in spring, actually. I'm looking forward to that. I do love my painting. Every yeah. Thursday I go along to a group and the other artists there are very generous with their time and their advice. And yeah. I've learnt a lot in the last year. Okay. Love it. And I know that, um, I mean, I think sometimes people think, well, you've, you know, have a transplant and then, you know, you're out of the woods and no problem. No, and I know you are one of the most uncomplaining people, but uh, as you say, you're, you're immunosuppressed and so that means continuous, you know, medication and that sort of thing. Um, is that something that, you know, distresses you at all or or you just, it's just, it just is what it is and... Um, yes, yeah. I think that's exactly it. It is what it is. Having been brought up with a chronic condition that um, could have resulted in me dying at any stage of my life, um, I'm used to that concept. It has made me impatient and it has made me intolerant of people who don't get on with it because <laughs> I think we're given such a limited time. But mm. basically, um, I did have a very rough time the first two and a half years. But um, luckily for me, this very bad bug I have has not raised its head. I've been lucky that that didn't get control of my lungs, but I did have a lot of rejection. And um, it was very tough, and it was very tough when I had my um, operation at first because they put you on a huge amount of steroids, and it can give you um, a, a mental illness called delirium which was paranoia and things like that. And that was awful. That was awful, that mental illness, that, because you don't have control of your mind. Mm. Once I got over that, um, you know, the rejections didn't bother me that much, really, because I knew that was all part of the course. Um, really, I don't let, let that thought hang over my head that, that at any moment I could get an infection no. and die. I mean, it's yeah. not... 
it's just not part of your no, makeup. It's, it's just not so. no, no. worth worrying no, over because, as no. you say, it is what it is. Mm. You, you, mm. I'm quite fatalistic about it. Mm. And it's funny when I first met you, um, and it was sometime, you know, some time ago now. And um, and at that point, uh, I wouldn't have obviously known actually that you know that you were that you were unwell, but. But one of the things I did know is you certainly didn't suffer. You know, anybody, if I was wallowing into self-pity, or absolutely no time for that at all. And you just, and I, you know, you get on and you do things. And a classic example of that is really quite recently, whereas it took me months to pluck up the courage to do my first Facebook Live, for example. Um, we talked about it, and you said you wanted to do it, and we'll talk about the Kindness Project in a minute or so, but you said you were going to do it on a regular basis. Um, you know, to share to share about the planet and that sort of thing. And I talked to you how to do it. Just right, let's get on and do the first one now. And you <laughs> did it. And you just got on and you did it. And you're doing you're doing Facebook lives once a week. Yeah, um, you're, on posting, you're posting every day. So tell us a little bit about the kindness project. Okay, project. the kindness project is. I wanted to explore being kind to others, the planet, and ourselves. And I wanted to do it uh, with with photographs. So. And I love the idea of a live video. I really enjoy that. So I set the theme at the beginning of the week. So this week it's um, things I've, important things I've learned from my dog. <laughs> uh, and it's quite funny, but it, so, so it's not serious, that particular one. And each day I'll do a post on um, things like that. Mm. But, but also now, since I've been bushwalking more, I do a today's bushwalk once a week as well and pictures from my bushwalk. People seem to be enjoying that one. So... I'm doing that once a week and the live video and then the other posts. Uh, last week was, uh, the week before was all about um, reducing our waste from our house. So each week will be either focusing on, on our personal thoughts or the way we approach others or how we treat the planet. And all those things are very important to me. Mm, mm. And you used to be a great gardener as well. I know I that did. now it's a bit difficult because Ooh. you have to be very careful with the earth and Ooh. that sort of thing, but that's something that you love as well. I think gardening is so important. I think it's really important for us to get out amongst those plants and chat to them and find out how they're growing. And there's nothing like planting something and seeing it flourish. Mm. Um, and very important to give it lots of good compost and mulch and you can get that from all sources. I think everyone should be composting, basically, because if you put food waste into landfill, then it's 25% more harmful than carbon dioxide because it produces methane. So definitely compost for your garden. Definitely use coffee grounds in your garden. It's a great way of recycling waste. And, and the result is a beautiful plant at the end of it, mm, or vegetables or herbs. Mm, wonderful. And I, I guess just in, in wrapping up, um, uh, is there anything, any sort of advice any more that you might offer people who are perhaps not necessarily going through um, you know, the depths of what you went through, but people who perhaps are struggling, struggling to get out there every day, perhaps feeling low or... Mm, it's very hard. I know um, after a particularly bad, unfortunate relationship, I did get depression um, and... It was very hard even to move out of my chair. So I, I have been there. But what I find is little steps. So plan your days so that each day you'll be doing one thing more than you did the day before. And I would also encourage people who are isolated and stuck at home to try and get out, even if it's only to walk to the end of the street and back 
or walk to your local cafe and back, get out of the house. I was very lucky because Kate would come and take me in my wheelchair up to the cafe. It's very isolating being ill and um, even if you don't have someone beautiful like Kate to take you out, take yourself out there and chat to strangers. The, the best thing you can do is to have a smile on your face because people will smile back at you and it just makes you feel really good to be smiled mm, at. Mm. It's very difficult when you're low to do anything like that. Um, but little steps, choose a goal that day, make it a small goal and then choose a different one the next day. Mm. But be kind to yourself and stop judging yourself for failing. And just very quickly, just going back to... Um the meditation, because I think when you were unable to, to do a great deal before um, the transplant, you started meditating then, but again, what, what, what can you offer um, those who are listening about what meditation can actually do for one to yeah. lift one? Mm. Look, it, it can do a lot of different things, meditation. It depends what level you want to take it to. You might just want to relax the muscles of your body and just let your body have a rest, a sigh of relief. You might want to take your mind away on a mind holiday and visit a beach that you love or a place that you've loved in the past. To revisit the past is a lovely thing to do. Anything that makes you happy. You might want to go deeper and find out what the ways you can achieve greater things in your life and get advice about that from your intuition. To get in touch with your intuition, you have to tell your busy brain to go away. And that's where meditation works really well. If you practice it daily, your brain switches off and you can then switch on to your intuition, your heart energy. That's wonderful advice. Thank you very much indeed. There's a great app actually also for people who perhaps struggle, um, well, they don't know how to meditate, called mm. um, Insight Timer, which is a great app to download because you can find little short ones. Mm. Or oh, sounds great. Ones, I mean, you can more. meditate. You can just have a mind clearance sitting down listening to the, your kettle boil. So put the kettle on, make a cup of tea and just listen to nothing and think of nothing but the kettle boiling. Or if you're in the shower, have a shower meditation and be aware of the water in your skin and keep your mind clear. A lot of people plan their day in the shower. Stop mm -hmm. doing that. Yes, <laughs> just meditate. <laughs> we think so many thoughts, don't we? Ooh. The same ones as we thought yesterday Ooh. and everything. And I think, you know, just going back, coming to see you when you were... Um, you know, unwell, and uh, I mean, th those visits have kept on going because I think, you know, it's, I, I love spending time with you. But even when you were at your lowest, um, what I was, you know, what I learned from you as much, I mean, what I could do for you, I suppose, was more from a physical point of view, but what I learned from you um, from a mental point of view was so unbelievably valuable. And um, I'm so grateful to you, and I'm so grateful to you for being my number one <laughs> guest on my Very Remarkableness podcast as well. So thank you so much, Jennifer. Um, we'll put some, if people want to get in touch with you mm. and learn from you, what's the best way for them to Facebook, do that? Facebook. Yeah, just okay. find me on Facebook. All right, wonderful. No, well, I'm so thank grateful. You, thank you very, very much indeed. And um, it's been great fun. My and pleasure. A lot. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Remarkableness podcast with Jennifer Simons. If you've enjoyed the podcast and you'd like to leave any comments or feedback, please go to the remarkablenesspodcast.com. Please join me again next time. <laughs>